This episode is brought to you by TalkPython Training. The Six Figure Developer Podcast is all about leveling up your career in the tech space. Learning a little bit of Python will allow you to take your expertise and 10x it with automation, APIs, and even AI. The best place on the internet to learn Python is over at TalkPython Training. Visit talkpython.fm slash sixfigure to find your next level. That's talkpython.fm slash sixfigure. Welcome to the Six Figure Developer Podcast, the podcast where we talk about new and exciting technologies, professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. With us today is Omri Hai. Omri is co-founder and CTO at M0, the first self-service cloud management platform for infrastructure as code architecture. Welcome, Omri. Thank you for having me. One of the things we start with uh, for each podcast is uh, having our uh, guest introduce themselves and tell us how they got started. So how did you get started in the industry? Um, so basically, I got like my first computer when I was like five, six, um, started playing with it, um, you know, during, uh, during school, uh, played with it uh, with uh, some, uh, you know, Windows or DOS 32 stuff. Um, and uh, then actually in high school, I, I worked as a computer uh, store and assembled uh, computers. Um, you know, back then it was, I think, Windows 95 um, that came out. And, and uh, I basically assembled the, the, the computers and installed whatever software uh, you wanted then. Um, then I actually went to the army. I'm, I'm from Israel. So uh, we, we have a mandatory army. Um, so I went there for uh, almost four years, um, then got my uh, bachelor degree. Um, during the time I started working um, in a high tech company in Israel, um, starting as a QA engineer um, and automation. And then once I finished my degree, started working as a developer, um, actually started on, on Microsoft and .NET. Back then it was 2.0, I think. Um, and, um, you know, grew from there, um, in various companies in Israel, um, started managing, uh, yeah, teams and, and groups. Um, I've been in, uh, in Etor is, is like a big B2C company in Israel, um, and in Proofpoint, um, for the past years, um, been doing a lot of technology, uh, from .NET to, Java to Ruby on Rails, uh, Node.js, um, Scala, whatever works, basically. Um, and uh, in the last uh, two years, I've founded M0 together with Dohad Heislich, who is the CEO and co-founder. Um, and it's really exciting uh, times for us. Um, and yeah, basically, that's it uh, from my end. That's pretty neat. So you've worked with quite a, a wide spread of uh, technologies there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, also uh, on the cloud, on-prem, um, with infrastructure uh, on, on vSphere and, and uh, AWS and GCP and Azure and, uh, you know, basically 
been all around uh, with many many technologies, um, not only in the uh, in the infrastructure world, but also in, in uh, most common languages and, and open source tools as well. What are your favorite languages these days? Are there specific technologies that that you're really excited about? Well, um, I have to say, well, currently we're uh, we're working with uh, Node.js, with which is I think is great. Um, I, I've been moving away from from the Microsoft uh, uh, technology um, uh, for the past years. Um, I, I've been in Ruby, which I. I Think is is you know not not going that well as as uh, people hope they, it will be, um, but yeah, I, I, we do also React on on the front end, which is a, a great uh, great framework. I really like it. Um, we do a lot of serverless, which is you know awesome for us, um, and, and basically uh, use a lot of uh, managed services uh, on AWS. Um, so yeah, so I think. Um, you know, the open source community here, um, also, you know, .NET did it with the .NET Core as well, um, is, is getting, you know, pretty big. And I think those are the great direction that the, the industry goes to. It seems like these days, a lot of the challenges are not so much getting to the cloud. I mean, we, we've known how to get something running in a cloud environment, whether it's it's Azure or AWS or Google Cloud or or any of the other uh, varieties of, of hosting options out there. It's more those cloud providers that have pieces of infrastructure that we want to stand up because we've, we've had teams on site that manage our infrastructure. We've had the, the IT pros and, and the like. Now it's a matter of, okay, now we, we need to set up and configure those environments in the cloud, but we also need to run and we need to deploy quickly and often and re- repeatably, and we're not so much treating our environments as pets as we are cattle. So it's it's more about how do we stand those things up quickly and easily. Yeah. So so I think it's it's a matter of, of a lot of well, exactly what you said is um, you know I think the the main use case in in, in developers' life cycles is uh, how do you code and you know you need an environment to code into. Um, and you, when when you go to the cloud, um, sometimes you have to have the cloud. Uh, you cannot do it locally anymore. So you need to spin up environments uh, as you go uh, in order to code, and not only to test things or or your production environment where you actually run your code. Uh, um, but but you need to do it in a repetitive way because every time you want to spin up a CI/CD environment or QA environment, a load test environment, or just your code environment so you can test it, um, you need to be uh, able to spin it up in a fast and, and, and you know, easy way, basically. You, you need to press a button and everything needs to be set up um, for you. Um, and I think this comes with a, a lot of uh, downsides because, uh, you know, you need to Make sure your environments are up to date with the latest security uh, compliance uh, that your company uh, company uh, enrolls, and you need to make sure that those environments don't stay up uh, during nights or during weekends. And you need to make sure that, that those environments are, you know, up to date with all the uh, the latest, uh, you know, code 
and and changes that everybody does you know you, you usually not in just you're not coding for yourself you, you you're part of a team um so you need to manage all of those things and 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 in addition you need to you know be aware of your spend because you know when you spin up environments uh, you know when when you, you give this great tool to those developers spin up environments as they want um you'll get uh, the what we tend to call the cloud bill shock um so you know the, the next month you'll you'll get the the shock of the the bill that the the devops or the cfo comes to you and you know what have you done um so i think of course we need to speed up um development life cycle as much as we can with ci cd with with the uh, environments per 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 developer or per pull request and for low testing and qa but you also need to find out um a way to govern those environments um and i think that's like the real challenge i think terraform or any infrastructure as code that we know of has the ability to do so um but on the other end you need something that will protect you in that manner in the last few months i've been playing with terraform and really figured out that it's it's very powerful it's very easy to get up and running uh it's it's also very dangerous for for those of us on the development side of the house that aren't necessarily familiar with everything that goes into creating an entire end-to-end solution for an enterprise level product whether it's spinning up additional resources whether it's configuring authentication authorization uh, I've seen F5 networks and, and firewalls and all those things that if you don't get them right early on, it's very difficult to go back and retrofit because a lot of these tools aren't necessarily for additional configuration management or drift. It's more about spinning up that entire complete environment in, in one shot. Uh, so it, it's difficult to go in and add pieces to it depending on on which which product or, or which uh, features you're utilizing in those types of tools. Yeah, so, so I think uh, uh, Terraform is great for, um, you know, spinning up uh, an entire environment. Um, uh, but as, as you mentioned, sometimes it's uh, going to be difficult because your, your developers aren't aware of everything that goes into the, their environment. And as uh, you mentioned, uh, once it's code, you know, a simple change in a one line of code can create a lot of damage um you know you can tear down a, a network or a vpc and nothing will work anymore or tear down the database um or you know spin up something that will cost you so much that nobody knows about it um so yeah i think i think we need to give developers tools and ways to spin up environments uh, in, in in that form, so it will be easier for them, and a way to also develop Terraform uh, in their own you know silos. Um, you know maybe they won't do the networking stuff. The the DevOps team or the IT team will do that, but you need to find a way to give them the the ability to spin up a new service or a new um, uh, pod in Kubernetes or whatever they need for the application. Um, that will go along with all the other stuff that needs to be done. If it's databases, networking, firewalls, um, CDNs, whatever you need there. Um, and you need to, to basically balance this. 
because um, you know you don't want the DevOps team to be like a bottleneck in that term. You want to create a self-service in your organization, um, and I think that goes along not only for developers. You know, so developers are like the easy case in that term because you know they they can run a CLI, um, they can spin up environments, they know what is AWS. You know, maybe they're not familiar with every bits and bytes there, but you know. You can tell them, okay, go to your AWS console, do this and do that. But what if it's a you know a sales team person that needs like an environment for a POC um, or a QA uh, engineer that needs it for testing this feature? Um, so there's a, a lot of ways uh, to utilize infrastructure as code, um, and you want to do that. Um, but on the other hand, you need control and governance, so you know. Not everybody is familiar with Terraform and infrastructure as code and the cloud and everything that goes on behind the scenes. Um, and you need a tool to, to give you that option, uh, a self-service way, but in a governance way. And I think that goes not also to the tool, but how you code your Terraform code or infrastructure as code. Um, you know, you need to do it in a, in a way like you treat code. You know, uh, you need to keep it dry, um, and keep it simple and, and, you know, give the ability to others to have a simple interface to, to work with it. So what is that balance of self-service of the tools to, to be able to spin up those resources, but also the governance to not spin up the resources that are going to cost so much that the company goes bankrupt? I've worked in organizations where I had the keys to the kingdom. I could modify production data. I could modify production environments because I had that level of trust. And quite frankly, there wasn't anyone else on the team because it was so small. I've also worked in large organizations where I was lucky if I had access to a development environment in the cloud. So especially as more and more companies grow and move towards the cloud, whether it's a hybrid model whether it's it's full in cloud native, they're still going to come with their own ideas about how they're going to manage that. Maybe they have their own operations department that's going to be cloud first and and manage the the keys to that kingdom in the cloud, whereas where they might have had their own hardware and infrastructure on prem. You know, when you're a small startup, um, you know, as you as you mentioned, everybody has the the you know the keys to production, to dev, they can do whatever they want. Um, with, with a small team, it can work, you know, uh, it's, it's not a big thing. Um, you're maybe not, you don't need to comply to all those uh, compliance stuff or security issues. Um, and and you're, you're willing to trust your developers. Uh, you know, in a larger organization, uh, it's the other way around. Nobody has access to anything. And, you know, you, you need a new server, you create a ticket to the DevOps team and, and wait for a week. I don't know. It depends on the, on the availability of the DevOps team. Um, and, and, and in between, you, you need to create the way to create a self-service in your organization without compromising on security, on compliance, and on cost, I think. Um, so basically... Um, we see a lot of in-house tools um, built around that um, using infrastructure as code. Um, so, for example, a Terraform has like the ability to plan um, a deployment. 
So you will be able to see what is going on, uh, what type of resources I'm, I'm going to spin up, how much uh, I'm going to tear down, and what, what am I going to update. And this will give you like a, you know, a, a workflow of a bit of a, a pull request, if we, if we uh, the code analogy in that term. Um, but, you know, there aren't like good tools out there um, to give you that, like you have in GitHub or GitLab or Bitbucket. Um, there are some open sources that try to tackle exactly this, um, but it's not like a huge solution around governance. Um, and basically that's where we come and try to solve this issue. We wanna try and give you the way to create a self-service way on top of Terraform and infrastructure as code, but basically not only Terraform, um, and in a governed way. So you will be able to see um, how many uh, environments are up and running, um, you know, create policies around that for, for example, scheduling environments so they will shut down during weekends and nights, um, give you a way to, to know how much an environment costs and not only like the resources it's part of um, and, and control that and give you budgets um, for teams to create like a silo where they have like a $2,000 uh, budget to create as many infrastructure uh, as they want, once they reach that, you know, they need approval to, to, uh, to create more and more. Um, we, we were able to create role-based access, who has access to deploy what and where. And for example, in, in this, the case of production, probably you want the developer to be able to initiate a plan, but you want some DevOps IT guy that will go over the plan and approve it. Um, and just once they approve it, um, it will actually do the deployment to the production uh, environment. So basically what MG is all about is creating that balance uh, in, in one way, giving a self-service kind of way. Um, and again, not only for the R&D team, also for QA and sales, we have a lot of use cases that you know sales team needs the uh, environment for their POC or demos. Um, and, and on the other end, creating a governance uh, around cost, security, and, and also giving the tools and automation to the developers that they will care about it. If you give a developer a budget for, I don't know, $1,000 a month, he will shut down those resources during night and during idle times. Um, so you want to create an incentive for uh, the one who consumes the environment um, and also give him the tools to do that uh, with, uh, you know, TTL for environment and scheduling for environment and graph that shows him how much the environment costs and which is the bad deployments that he did. Um, and basically shift left um, the, the cost and security and deployment to the developers in one hand, but, you know, stay in control in that term for the DevOps team and the IT team. So it sounds like like it's kind of really bringing a uh, fiscal responsibility down to uh, every worker that's that's in the system, right? So how, how are the budgets assigned? Can you assign a budget to a group or is it always to an individual or uh, how is that all, all managed? Um, so basically, I, I think we, um, 
if if I go back a bit, you know, we've seen what you've talked about um, along the years. Uh, I mean, I think uh, the first time I saw it was with uh, with performance um, and tools like New Relic and Datadog did the same to performance issues and moved that that responsibility to the developers and basically gave them the tools to to let them know uh, how their app and their code perform. Um, and and I think there's a lot of trends going on today, um, for example, in terms of security and, and you know, open source codes. So I think uh, Sneak or white source is, is a good example that, you know, that shifts the responsibility back to the developers that actually write the code and uses the open source tools. Um, and I think we want to do the same with budgets and, and costs because, you know, when you write an application, you need to know how much will it cost. And in, you know, in, in today's world where, uh, um, you know, cloud goes to a model that, you know, pay as you go, uh, whatever you use, that's what you pay for. Um, I think that's, it's crucial that someone that writes the app will know how much the app exactly, um, costs him. Um, so what we're trying to, to achieve there, um, is create budget within teams. Um, so the team itself will be responsible for the, the amount of, uh, uh, the amount of money spent both in, in production and in dev, you know, sometimes dev can be really expensive, uh, when you, you know, you have like, uh, huge dev environments, uh, when you spin up a lot of instances. Um, it has the, the ability to create a lot of uh, cost, um, and also in production. You know, for example, we'll, we'll, let's take the the new relic example. Sometimes you have like a performance peak um, that you want to solve, and, and the way usually developers like to solve it, you know, just throw a bunch of servers on it. Um, but then you can see like the cost increasing in, in that side of the table where the performance uh, decreased. Um, so we want to shift left that thing. We want to make the developers responsible for the code that they've written and, and how much will it cost. If it's per service, if it's per team, and create the budget limits on top of that. Um, so I think um, you know what we see is that we want to make it per team and, and per service. So um, you will be able to know exactly how much this environment or how much this team costs me. Um, and we can also correlate that to individuals, um, but you know, it depends on your use case. If, um, if I could play devil's advocate for just a second, developers have a lot of weight on their shoulders already. Um, in recent years, we've, we've just about uh, taken QA completely into our hands. Uh, at many companies, we're the ones actually writing the the requirements uh, because we can't get the requirements we want from the business. Could managing cost be asking too much, and or 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 be you know just a just a a very large extra burden that the developers have to have to figure out? Um, and if it is a burden, is there anything that can reduce the burden? Uh, educational materials or, or training that can be done? You know, basically it's a matter of uh, 
um, of trends and how do you see the world? I mean, um, you know, if, if I take the performance analogy um, in, in, you know, in past years, um, whoever was responsible for the performance was the ops team or the, the IT team. Um, and I think we kind of understood that um, without the developers, the ops team will, will not know exactly what runs there and how it should um, it should be managed and, and what's the bottlenecks there. Um, and then came tools that give you a way to you know, uh, create visibility and, and uh, traceability around that. Um, so I, I agree. If you say, okay, developers uh, today, uh, the entire cost um, is on your back, I think it's too much. You need to create tools that gives them the the ability to to know exactly what they deploy and how and how much they cost and the and tra- traceability on how much does it cost. Um, if we you say today, okay, developers, it's on you, um, they will get lost because you know you'll go to the AWS account or your Azure account and you don't know what is your resource and what is your database. And, and, you know, that's a, a total chaos there. You don't know what is yours and what it's not yours. Um, and the same was with performance. Sometimes you say, okay, that's uh, the bad server. I need more RAM. I need more CPU. Um, and sometimes you say, okay, my code is just not acting good or my DB is not acting as it should be. And I think once you have the tools um, to to know exactly what's going on with your application, I think that's the way to go. Um, if it's an easy task, um, I think they should have that responsibility. If it's a difficult task, probably you know it's too much of a burden. Um, but you know, once you move to the cloud, cost is you know becoming an issue for you. Um, it's something that you need to pay attention to because um, you know. There's a lot of use cases where you know people left uh, resources up and running, um, and you know the company collapsed. Or I don't know. I, I remember reading uh, a company that uh, spun up an, an ML environment uh, during the weekend, and it cost like um, half a million dollars. So who's who's the who's to blame there? Um, so I think you cannot blame only the developers. Um, you need to give them tools also to reduce it, uh, to make it more transparent and be available for them. Um, but it, you know, it's not only them, but they need to be part of this process and understanding that every piece of code that they write, um, you know, it turns to dollars in the other side. I'm surprised that cost of running applications, cost of running entire environments isn't discussed more out in the open as as maybe it should be because it seems like in previous iterations where everything's on prem there's there's a certain amount of sunk costs there's a certain amount of capital investment into servers and in infrastructure and that type of thing so there's not it's very difficult to equate that cost with running of particular parts of an application or particular environments whether it's a dev QA production environment of an application. 
Whereas we're, if we're moving to the cloud, that same mindset needs to be adjusted because there, there's not a sunk cost. There's going to be uh, a recurring cost to running these things. It's no longer we need to spend $200,000 on this application for hiring bodies and paying of salaries and bringing in lunch for nights and weekends when we miss deadlines. It's we've paid all that money in salaries and lunches and things, but now we have ongoing costs of hosting, of compute, of storage, and of maintenance moving forward as things are discovered or as things are broken, as things need to be addressed. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, in recent years, it's been um, a major issue with, uh, with, uh, with going forward to the cloud. Um, there's a lot of companies around cost and trying to reduce cost and trying to give you visibility of around cost. Um, and, and basically also the cloud providers are trying to give you the ability to, to, to trace back your cost. Um, but, and, and there's a lot of movement in terms of FinOps today um, where you can read about it, uh, which is basically trying to tell you, okay, once you go to the cloud, you need to manage your uh, financial operations. Um, it's not like, you know, you bought a server and basically that's it. Now, every time you do an API call or, you know, uh, uh, store something in the cloud, it will cost you money and you need to pay attention to it. Um, because, you know, as, as I've mentioned before, it's a big issue. And I think um, with today, you see it more and more. Um, uh, companies like Cloud Health and Cloud Checker um, and companies like uh, Spot.io that tries to reduce your cloud cost and uh, as well as the cloud providers. Um, for example, I think... Uh, you know the way they do it with uh, with tags or on GCP with labels. It was a retrofit, um, so basically they didn't have that in mind uh, until you know a lot of companies says, okay, I need to know uh, how much am I spending and I need to tag my resources accordingly to know exactly what I'm spending on, um, and and this is a tedious error-prone human uh, job to trace it back um, and also configure those tags. Um, and, and I think moving forward, um, the cloud providers understood it and retrofit a solution around it. And, and you know, AWS just announced um, their uh, anomaly detection of cost uh, and, and they're putting a lot of effort on that. Um, and I think it, it matters to them because, you know, they want their uh, users and their, um, you know, their uh, customers to spend what they need to spend. There's, uh, I think, an article that I read recently that 40% of the cloud spend is just a waste. It's idle resources. It's just someone forgotten EC2 instance or a VM somewhere or just, you know, storage. Um, and, and we have to address it um, today. This is a big issue for other companies. You know, COVID-19 just brought it up um, where, you know, you want to use the cloud, but you want to do it in a, in a respectful way of the money you spend on it. Um, and I think we've seen 
a shift and a change in that area um, on how companies treat cloud today and how much effort they put on cost and how to reduce it. Because, um, you know, big companies pay millions of dollars to those cloud providers. And, and I, I think they should, you know, it's, it's a great solution. Um, you know, um, it's, it's well worth it. But you need to be cautious um, where you spend it and how you spend it. And I think putting this responsibility only on the DevOps team or, you know, the, the financial team, um, it's just, it's too much. And, you know, it's, it's just too much. Uh, we need to, a way to collaborate and, and bring everybody on the same page on that and, and make sure we don't spend what we don't need to spend. Well, great. What what other resources are out there to to help us manage our, our cloud infrastructure, to help manage our cost of moving things to the cloud? So there's a lot of open source um, uh, in terms of Terraform that tries to do estimation of cost. So basically, before you create a plan for your Terraform code, um, you are able to see, to estimate how much will it cost you. And on that, you can um, basically create policies around that. Um, so basically, for example, you won't be able to spin up a, 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 an instance which is too expensive or too large. Um, so that's like estimations that there are out there. Some of, of them are open source and some, some of them are licensed. Um, so, so basically, that's one way to go with cloud estimation. And um, I think the problem with that is that, uh, you know, as I as I mentioned, the model of cloud providers are pay as you go. Um, so, for example, if you spin up a, an S3 bucket, it doesn't cost anything. You know, uh, well, if you put storage in it and calls the API a lot, then you start paying for it. Um, so, you know. Uh, Terraform uh, will spin up the, the S3 bucket, and, but it won't know how much would it cost because it's per your usage. And so we're trying to give you an actual estimation. And there's a lot of companies that try to do visibility on that. And I think Cloudin is, is a good example uh, of a startup that was bought by uh, Azure, on, by Microsoft, basically, and they integrated with Azure to give you um, the ability to see uh, how many um, resources are utilized and what are you spending on. Um, and they did quite well there. Um, every provider has its own cost explorer um, that tries to give you um, basically how much you spent and when and where. Um, but again, you need to create those tags in advance in order to gain visibility around the, the, the environments that spun up uh, as opposed to the resources that spun up. And you cannot correlate that with like deployments. Um, so, so I think that's the space. Um, again, both license, there's open source, for estimation, and there are a lot of open source that tries to uh, find out like 
zombie resources and try to you know shut them down um you know um basically go around your aws account or azure account find out what is not being utilized and, and just stop it um there's like an open source i i just saw from uh, the guys from uh, grant work um that basically they call them um, a cloud nuke um, and basically it goes to all your cloud account and shut down resources um, and sometimes people do in-house work so uh, they tag resources and say when do they need to be shut down and and do a lot of you know scripting and 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 uh, cron jobs around that um, so i think there there are some tools around that there isn't like a one way to go though um, and every company uses tools and, and open source and license and SaaS providers. It really depends. Awesome. What has been helpful in your career that you might share with those just getting started or looking to level up their careers? So I think um, the, the best thing I, I have been doing in my career is actually try to learn as much as I possibly can from every technology that I, I get my hands on um, and even more. Um, so I, I do a lot of reading and basically do a lot of reading of code and, you know, on my spare time. And not that I have a lot of spare time right now, um, but, you know, one, when I can. And I think a lot of stuff that I've learned are from people um, for working with great people and getting minds of other people's thoughts um, and going through their code and PRs and finding out like what are the best practices and learning from that. I think in my use case, I think I took a lot of things from different people and different code. And, and opening up your mind to, to the world, basically, as, as I first mentioned, I've been around a lot. I've been using, you know, a lot of technologies. And I think it gives you like a, a widespread of, of opinions and, and thoughts uh, around technology and around how to build stuff and around the problems that you're going to pose and, and, and how to solve them. And, and, you know, you, you sometimes you see a problem and you say, okay, that I've seen that before. Um, that's the way I think I should do it. Um, so I think mainly reaching out as much as you can, um, throughout anything you come across. Um, and as, as your studies, you know, very widespread, I think it gives you the ability to know exactly how to solve stuff and how others solve stuff with different technologies. And, you know, I think today is, is, is creating a puzzle code and, and technologies is mainly creating a puzzle with the open source tools that, you know, and, and the, the tools that are out there. Um, and you need to pick the right uh, ingredient for what you're trying to solve. Um, so, if you have like a widespread of things that you saw and tackle, I think that gives you a, a big advantage over others. Absolutely. 
Uh, do you have any social media accounts that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, yeah, so um, we do have like a, a Twitter account um, that is uh, quite active with a blog post around the infrastructure as code and, um, and best practices and how do we see the world. Uh, so basically it's N0 combined together. We, I think also uh, grant work is a great example for uh, places where you can learn a lot um, about Terraform infrastructure as code. Um, and also we have the Medium uh, blog post that we share post around different areas of cost and, and infrastructure as code and how to manage it. Um, that those are the main things that I've been looking to. Excellent. Well, Omri, I know it's late there, so we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. That was Omri Hai. Omri is co-founder and CTO at Envzero, the first self-service cloud management platform for infrastructure as code architecture. If you like this episode, please like, rate, and review on iTunes. Find show notes, blog posts, and more at sixfiguredev.com. And catch us live each week on Twitch, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at Six Figure Dev. This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast, helping others reach their potential. I am John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. 